Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us today on the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share a biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Meredith Brock. Well, friends, I am so excited mm-hmm. about our episode today. Our friend Joel Mutamale, the director of theology here at Proverbs 31, has got an incredible message mm-hmm. for you where he's going to pull back the curtain a little bit for us on who in the world were the Philippians. Right. You know, those people in the New Testament, that whole book, like who were these people? What was the church like back then? And what the Chicago Bulls have to do with any of that, right? (laughs) No, but seriously, for real, he has four great points that he is going to share that is going to help you improve all of your relationships. Mm -hmm. We are so excited about it. And so here's today's episode with Joel. Well, today we have our friend Joel Mutamale here with us, and you guys know that he's no stranger to the podcast. He's our resident theologian, we like to call him, right, Mary? Mm-hmm. And so we know when he's here, he's going to give us a lot of history, a lot of context to whatever he's teaching on. And so today he's here to talk to us about our next First Five study, which is on the book of Philippians, but the title is what I'm more excited about. It's How Then Can We Be Friends overcoming the issues that hinder our relationships. Mm. And I hear that, and I just want to take a deep breath because I know that this is going to be a really great teaching and good conversation today. But I want to give a little context to this because we're um, as we were working on this First Five study— Joel, I know that you and Lisa Turkers and the whole First Five team really thought about, like, what's, what's a con— a concept of Philippians that we can dive into that will really be impactful for our audience today. And so um, I'm grateful that you guys just took so much time to intentionally dive into that. And I'm grateful for how relevant it is. Honestly, we had no idea months ago that um, we would need this teaching so much today. So Joel, I'm excited for you to dive into these issues that hinder our relationships and tell us about how we're going to find that in Philippians. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I know, Kayla, you mentioned that we're going to do some history and some culture and some background, but first y'all need to know about my history (laughs) and my background. And some of you that know me are like, wait, aren't you Indian from India? Uh, Yeah, I am Indian, but I was actually born in Chicago. Uh, And so here's the interesting thing that the place of our origin, the place that we're born, the place that we kind of um, associate with ourselves, it impacts us in a really specific and important way. For instance, anybody that wants to dog on me about how bad Chicago sports are right now, I just point to the fact that we won six championships with Michael Jordan, the greatest <laughs> of all time. If you could see Meredith's face right now, she was waiting. She was just waiting <laughs> for that. Um, and I'm just going to be honest, y'all. Like, I kind of walk with a little bit of swagger because mm. I'm like, I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm a Chicago kid. Um, I remember those championships. I, I We have the best pizza of all time. Chicago <laughs> deep dish pizza. And, and you walk with a little sense of, pride and Mm -hmm. I might say a little sense of superiority because I don't remember the last time Charlotte won anything. No. Right? Like sad. And so you're probably (laughs) laughing right now like, Joel, what are we even doing right now? But uh, what I want to do is point out that the things that are happening in the biblical text, particularly in these letters that we're about to 
study, Philippians, written by Paul, there are some common themes that connect to our own stories. And so, one of the important aspects about the city of Philippi that Paul writes to is that the city of Philippi was actually made a official Roman colony by the Emperor Octavian. You're probably wondering, why is this so important? Well, when you became a official Roman colony, that meant you had all of the power, the rights, the privileges, and the protection that came with being a Roman citizen. This also meant that if you lived in Philippi and you um, were able to get Roman citizenship, you walked with a little bit of swagger. Like, Hmm. you walked with your head up a little bit higher and your chest out a little bit further. And and you knew that you had the backing of this incredible, prestigious background to you. Mm -hmm. And then when we look at Philippi and we see the origins of the Christian church, we actually turn back to Acts chapter 16. Paul loves Philippi. He loves the citizens of Philippi. And the church in Philippi actually starts, Acts chapter 16, it starts in the house of this gal named Lydia, uh, which I think by itself already is super important that uh, a prominent woman, it's in her house that the very first church in Philippi mm-hmm. actually comes about. And here's the other interesting thing. I don't know about you guys, but um, are all households nice and neat and there's never any chaos or never any dysfunction or, or difficulty? Oh, always like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know what families y'all live in, but that's not mine. So, this happens all the time. We just overlook this little tiny detail that this church started in a house. And I don't know about you, but like, I want to ask some questions. Um, Did all of the the turmoil within the house disappear just because now it's the location of where a church is? Oh, that's good, Joel. Well, no. Mm-hmm. In fact, something does change. And the thing that changes is the presence of the gospel inside of this house that now begins to orient all of these relationships rightly. But again, I want to go back to the citizenship thing in Philippi, and it's really important. Um, a household in the Greco-Roman world is very different from what you and I think of household. So, when I say, like, uh, Meredith, can you name off, like, who are the people in your house? Um, My husband, Mac. Mm -hmm. My son, Harvey. Yes. My daughter, Cyrus. And my sweet little foster son. Okay. So, this is really important. Now, um, you kind of described your, in essence, your nuclear family and Uh your foster son that has kind of been adopted into your nuclear family, right? Mm -hmm. The Greco-Roman world did not think about family like that. In fact, it's kind of a Western thing that we think of family in, in this nuclear sense. But if you go to India or many Latin American families and Asian families, there's this idea of this multi-generational family that all lives in one location. In the Greco-Roman world, this actually expands even further than that. It's not just the people who live in the house that are considered the family. It's also the people who interact with the house. So it's the people in the marketplace. It's the people who work on the ground in the subdivision, in these areas, and they're all part of the family. Now, here's where things get a little bit tricky. Not everybody has the same status, especially in a city like Philippi. So, you could have people within the quote-unquote family that were not citizens. But what happens when those people are now Christians, and you're a Christian, and you've lived now your entire life walking with your head up a little bit higher because you've got the Roman citizenship, but they don't. Um, If 
the gospel, what it does here is it actually demands, it requires of us to change the way that we think about our citizenship, our identity, our belonging, especially within our relationships. And this is what Paul gets to. I want to read Philippians 3, verse 10. And again, remember this whole citizenship that we talked about. I want you to put yourself in the place of the Philippian people when they're, when they're hearing Paul um, say these words. Philippians 3, 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, what Paul actually does here is he says, our citizenship, this new reality of living and being in this other kingdom that is marked by Jesus, who is the king, it actually causes us to shift and change the way that we relate, we relate to other people, particularly our friends, our family. Um, because it's actually a mark of being a part of the kingdom of God, uh, the way that we relate to other people. So, the challenge for the Philippian people and for you and I is that this doesn't just happen with like a snap of the finger. Mm. It would be nice if it did. Mm -hmm. Just because I accept Jesus into my life doesn't change the chaos and the confusion and, and the distrust that might be present inside of a family. So, as we go through the book of Philippians, we actually find that there are four major hurdles that um, the people in Philippi are dealing with, specifically the Christians and how they relate to not just Christians, but also non-Christians. So, I want to I list these off to you. One of the, the big issues of relationship um, that they're dealing with is criticism. Now, I know none of you all deal with criticism, and you're not criti <laughs> critical of other people, right? Um, but think about the damage that criticism does in relationships. Mm right? Instantly, it changes the way that you think to being instantly negative versus positive. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, that uh, is actually something that the gospel wants us to shift and change our minds. We're not supposed to automatically think of somebody in a negative way. We're actually supposed to think of them in the way that Christ sees them. So, instead of being critical towards somebody, we want to seek to love and understand them through the lens of Jesus that goes beyond our own thoughts and opinions, but actually the lens of our thoughts and, and opinions is through the lens of Jesus. Jesus was not critical towards other people, especially non-believers. He was loving. Mm -hmm. And in his love, he called them to a new way of being and a new way of living. Here's another category that's really hard. Bitterness. Now, I know, again, bitterness is not an issue for the majority of us, right? Like, we never <laughs> experience bitterness in our life. Um, but bitterness, again, is so damaging. It is so destructing because bitterness can also be an indication that there is a lack of trust. And in the presence of bitterness, there is typically disunity. In the mm -hmm. presence of bitterness, there's usually disunity because trust has been broken. So, how do we overcome bitterness? We overcome bitterness when we realize that there is a commonality that you and I have, and that commonality is actually in Christ. All the way throughout Philippians, you will notice as you read it, I encourage you to do it. You can do it in one fell kind of, you know, sitting. You can just read through the entire thing. Count how many times Paul says, agree in the Lord. Hmm. How many times he says, agree in the Lord? Mm -hmm. Well, there's so many things to disagree on. There's so many things to be bitter about. But when you just include this one little thought, what are the things that we can agree in the Lord on? It actually 
orients and, and overcomes the sense of bitterness that we might have. Here's the third category, pride. Uh, pride, again, for the Philippians is pretty massive uh, because they're walking around as Roman citizens. And so, anybody who's not a Roman citizen is less than and, and, um, and really left out. But what Paul says is that our pride is not rooted in a citizenship that we have on earth or because of what we have done or what we have accomplished. Um, It's not a lack of pride, but it's rightly placing our pride in the one who is worthy of that. And who is that? It's Jesus. Mm. It's in Christ. And here's what's really intriguing. All throughout Philippians, especially Philippians chapter 2, there's this brilliant hymn, and it talks about Christ and his incarnation. Think about that. The pride of Christ resulted in humility, Mm -hmm. that he came down onto earth and humbled himself in the form of a human being, being fully God still, and yet entered into earth as a suffering servant. So, uh, even that sense of pride is actually rooted in humility. And here's the last one, superiority, a Mm -hmm. sense of superiority. Um, And superiority is so damaging in our relationships because it means instantly for everybody that I have to be the best and everybody else can't be. Mm. And if we create those senses of of elevation, of superiority, that some are better than others, then what it does is it really contradicts the gospel, which actually says – we're all on even playing field. What is that even playing field? We're all sinners. And yet, because of the mercy of Christ, we're sinners who have been saved and who are now saints. Philippians 1, like in the very beginning, this is what Paul starts with. Philippians 1 verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints. That English word saints comes from the Greek word hagioi, and it means holy ones or set apart. This is what frames our identity as citizens of heaven. We are saints. We're set apart. And because we're set apart, we're set to something. What is it that we're set towards? Christ-likeness. And when we are able to overcome these these hurdles of superiority and criticism and bitterness and pride, what we do is we actually present a brilliant missional witness to the world that says, by the way, when you enter into the family of God, when you enter into this new kingdom that, uh, you're, that you're absolutely welcome to be a part of, you can leave behind all of these hurdles and all of these um, destructive types of relationships that cause you pain and heartache, and you can enter into a relationship that is full of hope. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that's something that I long for. Mm. Like, I long for relationships that um, are right now present with all these different hurdles, and yet there's a key to being able to jump over those hurdles, and that is the presence of the gospel. So good, Joel. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here taking notes, thinking about a friend that I have right now, that there has been some, like, creeping distance, Mm -hmm. you know, over time that... I've lost touch with her and I don't want to. And I'm, I'm, as you're like talking, I'm thinking, okay, what happened? Mm-hmm. Is one of these four barriers, did one of those sneak in? And I think none of us want to admit, like I wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm a really critical person. I'm also very bitter and I'm very prideful and I have an air of superiority about <laughs> myself. And um, when it's blatant like that, nobody wants to admit to it. 
-hmm. But when you actually dig into each one of those four things, there's a subtlety that sneaks into our relationships. And so I'm going to I'm going to do a little confession here as a mom who tends so because I want our I want our listeners to be able to hear those four things and actually think about where have I done this that has caused a drift and a shift in a relationship from unity to separation. And so maybe maybe I'm going to do this from the mom standpoint. Mm-hmm. Kaylee, I'm going to have you do it from the non-mom oh, standpoint. Oh Get ready. Here Get we ready. Go. I'm going to give some examples. Maybe as a mom, you have another friend and you guys went out to, um, we don't go out to Chick-fil-A right now because of the pandemic, but maybe you were at the park and you saw her not discipline her child and deep inside your heart, you went, I would never let my child get away with that. Oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. critical. And that creates a divide. Maybe you sent your, your girlfriend a text and she never texted back and you went, oh my gosh, I can't believe she did that. And you just let it fester instead of talking to her about it. That's bitterness. That's that subtle Mm -hmm. hint of bitterness that creeps into your heart. Maybe you were like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe that she is like letting her kids run around in those clothes. I mean, look at how filthy they are. Mm -hmm. Look at his face. She probably didn't even wash his face before he got here. That's pride, guys. You know, and that superiority, it sneaks in without you even knowing where you might think, oh, yeah, I'm going to move into that neighborhood so my kids can go to that school, you know, and you really are thinking about the best education for your kid, but you allow it to sneak in this sense of, and now I might be just a tiny bit better than those that are in this other neighborhood. And so I have to confess, those thoughts have gone through my mind at one point or another, and it has created a distance from the people that I love. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't this big, blatant, blow-up fight that happened, and then all of a sudden, we were distant forever. It was these little, subtle things that snuck in. So Kaylee, I'm putting you on the spot big time, but those are some of the mom things, Mm -hmm. mom examples that maybe some of our our listeners have wrestled with. What what Mm -hmm. does some of this look like? It doesn't have to be you personally, but how do you see some of this play out? Yeah, that's a great question. As you were were talking, I was thinking about um, someone out there who is part of a team who is working towards a common goal. This could be maybe you're a volunteer at a church and you're part of a team who's all, all of you have different assignments to get something accomplished. Maybe at work, like I know I'm a part of a team of um, four um, different people who all oversee different people in our department and we're trusted to accomplish the goals Mm -hmm. of the ministry. Or maybe, I don't know, you're a teacher who's a part of a lot of other teachers and your goal is to you know, create unity among your classroom and the school together. But there comes a time, and you know where I'm going with this, we're talking about trust, Mm. but there comes a time whenever you are in a relationship with those people where you've been appointed to a task, right? Mm -hmm. Like I am a an expert in my area. So there can be pride. There can be some superiority that can make me critical of a decision that someone else makes because I would have liked to have been brought into that decision. Or there could be bitterness because I got left out and Mm. that makes me mad. Um, And I think those things hinder us from being able to function well Mm. as a team, whether it's at school, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's a church, or whether it's as a family, Mm -hmm. and then ultimately as a body of Christ. And I think something you said 
I don't know, Joel, if it was you or if it was you, Meredith, but you said something about the word trust and all the, like we have to have this common trust with mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. to lay aside criticism, bitterness, and pride and superiority. But I think it takes a level of self-awareness to be able to check yourself in where you mm-hmm. are having issues with those things. But I also think when you've built enough trust up with the people who you're working with, you can be open and honest and ask them to show you where you're struggling in this process. And I, I love the balance of both of those things. It's being humble enough yeah. and letting go of that pride enough to, to ask somebody, hey, what do I need to work on? Yeah. These or types of things. Did I, you know, I, I think in other examples, it's when, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but when all of a sudden a friend who used to be a really good friend or mm-hmm. maybe a coworker who yeah. used to be a really good coworker, all of a sudden there's a distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure why. Mm-hmm. And you could just ignore it <laughs> and just keep on mm-hmm. trucking, you know, but there's a there's likely a reason why that distance happened. And so mm-hmm. to have the maturity to step in and say, hey, I know like at one time me and you, we were like close and now we're not. Is it just circumstantial? Have we just drifted mm-hmm. or was there something there? that happened, that I said, and allow them to speak into you, into your life, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict where only He can. Mm-hmm. You know, Joel, I think this is just such a practical, mm-hmm. practical teaching for our listeners today. Um, if you could leave them with one thought, mm-hmm. um, what would it be? Yeah, I think the both of you just said it. You said trust multiple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, in. Here's the challenge, I think, is if you and I put all of our hope and our faith and our confidence in trusting ourselves Mm. or trusting the other person to do what is right, it's going to lead to a world of heartache. It just will Mm -hmm. because we in and of ourselves are not honestly trustworthy people. You want to know? Ask my wife. I (laughs) promised her last night that I would put the salmon away. I'm serious. I promised her. Uh, No, I kind of did. I put it in the glass like container. So didn't make it in the refrigerator, did it? I mean, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, so this is a funny thing, but honestly, what Paul does all the way throughout Philippians is he keeps bringing us back to Jesus. He keeps bringing us back to the central and only person that is capable of fully being trustworthy. And I want to present this idea. If I put all of my trust and humility in Christ, and Meredith, if you put all of your trust and humility in Christ, and um, and Kales, if you put all of your uh, mm-hmm. trust and humility in Christ, we can actually trust each other. That's right. Because we have commonly put our place, our faith in Christ. And so, mm-hmm. I think that's what really what Paul is trying to get us to. Mm-hmm. Wow. So good. Um, Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I know that you just gave everybody a practical takeaway, but we want to take that one step further and invite you guys into our next First Five study on Mm -hmm. the Book of Philippians. I said the title earlier. It's called, How Then Can We Be Friends? overcoming the issues that it, that hinder your relationships. And part of the content that Joel shared today with the, the bitterness and the criticism and all those four statements, they're part of the study guide mm-hmm. that our team wrote and produced in-house. And you guys are going to want to get your hands on that. And so, Meredith, can you tell our friends how to join this study? Absolutely. Well, first, the first thing you're going to want to do, if you haven't already, is download the very free 
First Five mobile app. It's available mm-hmm. for any of your devices. Just go to your app store, Google that First Five, um, and you'll find it right there by Proverbs mm-hmm. 31. Download that. And then once you get in there, you'll see the, the Philippian study will be live. It will be going. And then you're going to want to get your hands on that study guide, just like Kaylee said. And mm-hmm. you can go to P. 31bookstore.com and grab it there, order it. So you can follow along the daily teachings in the app. And then you have that additional study right there in your study guide to go a little bit deeper. Yes, yes. And we want to we want you to invite your friends. I think that this would be a great mm-hmm. study to do alongside a friend or anybody, a part of your community. Um, and I also want to take a quick second and just mention the free resources we have available for download anytime on our website. You can visit our resource library by going to proverbs31.org slash read and then clicking resource library. You can get things like 15 prayers for your son or daughter by Lisa Turkhurst, our mm. president. It's a great new resource. And then the now what guide to process and apply biblical messages, which would be great for a teaching like this. So like I said, we have resources like this and more all available for free to help you deepen your faith and grow your knowledge of the word. Well, that's it for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray today's episode helps you know the truth of God's word and live out that truth because when you do, we believe it really will change everything.